1: Hi everyone, and welcome to the 92nd episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by OverDrive. This is Jill, and I'm joined by Adam and Christina.
2: Hi, Jill. How you doing? Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, Hello. Hi. It's Christina. Christina's back. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) With with the most. Some
1: action. With
2: her most specific of intros of herself. Her tagline is "Hi, hello, hi."
1: You don't know this, Christina, but Adam and I do that all
3: the time in here.
2: All the time. (laughs) Thank yeah.
3: you. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Actually, really, we should. It's Adele came up with it. Thank you, Adele. You've changed my life in so many ways.
2: Hello from the other side.
3: You're perfect, and I love you, and your eyelashes are
2: fantastic. Uh, anyway, we'll get the beginning out of the way here. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, it's at ProBookNerds. And if you want to email Jill and I, you can do that at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. We respond to all those as many as we can. Um, send us
3: 88 on Twitter. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, today we're going to be talking about books based on mythology and lore. Uh, Christina's got, she's got, she's got a bunch of books and we have some other books we're going to talk about. Um...
1: There's a big one that just
3: came out.
2: Yeah. So the reason about we're doing this is because, you know, we'll talk about it after the intro. Um, sit tight, everyone. Yeah, sit tight.
3: That's, and for a bumpy, exciting it. ride. That's a do, teaser. Do, do,
2: do. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and this is the part where we do the music. <laughs> do, 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 do. do, do, do. Okay, so talking about books based on Greek mythology and lore because Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology came out this week. Um, Well, last week at this point. At this point it will have come out last week. We're recording this on a Friday. We recorded intros on a Monday and we're recording a podcast on a Friday. It's very confusing. Two great days for (laughs) us to do these things. Um, We're all very excited about Neil Gaiman's book. Everyone is probably very excited about it. But let's be fair, there's probably going to be long wait lists for that book at uh, your library if you are using Overdrive, and you should be using Overdrive, um, especially if you are listening to this podcast. So because of that, we have a bunch of books that are sort of similar to it that will be recommendations that you can read while you're, rated, while you're waiting, right? That's what we're going to do today. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that is. Thank you. That is what we are doing
2: today. Nailed it. Yes.
3: Um, <laughs> as you can tell, it's a Friday. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but- uh, we have not had nearly enough coffee. No. no. And Jill was yeah, up know.
2: last night tweeting at uh, 3 a.m.
3: I know. I saw your Instagrams. I'm so sorry. <laughs> don't worry. It's insomnia, people. Don't worry.
1: It's
2: not like.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm
3: sorry. It's not like you're like battling a great. Right? Like she she just couldn't sleep. Sorry. Mm. We should have kept it really ominous. <laughs> Tune yeah, in next foreboding. week to
1: see why. <laughs> and uh, then I just for like a week. Which yeah. has
3: happened before.
2: <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, do you want to start ooh. with your. Fr- we, should, we should probably talk about books. Yeah. We're a few minutes in now.
3: All right so (laughs) hello it's me uh for our books today i tried to think about uh different kinds of mythology and lore i think a lot of people always think like greek mythology which obviously is huge and dictates a lot of the stories we'll talk about today but there's different kinds of mythology all over the world so i tried to uh really make my list vast (laughs) so um, and it (laughs) it is it's extensive so uh just to get started obviously we couldn't get to this series without talking about Percy Jackson mm-hmm. and the Olympians uh, by Rick Riordan, it's on like every list that talks about mythology. It's the most obvious. Yeah, um, if you if
2: you look at mythology and Goodreads, it like the all first of them. like so favorite book is him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: And it, it is. It's a really great series. It's a really great series for juvenile and YA audiences. Very clean series. Um, it's the story of Percy Jackson. He is the son of Poseidon, who is a Greek god, the god of the sea. And uh, it encompasses more than just that. There actually is a cast of a couple characters who are the offspring of Hades, Hermes, Zeus, Mars, Pluto, Jupiter, who are Roman equivalents, in Ares. And each character displays characteristics of their ancestors. So, like, the trickery, hot-headedness, uh, sense of adventure that comes with the gods, which I think is a lot of why mythology is so popular. Because the gods are really fun to write about because they weren't perfect. So, they've gotten themselves in a lot of trouble. Obviously, interacting with mortals and having kids all over the place. There's a lot of great uh, source material.
1: Uh, I had no idea that's what Percy Jackson was about, and now I'm all like, I "Really?" Don't want to- I.
2: <laughs> Sorry, that was really judgmental. I apologize. <laughs> really,
1: Jill? Really? I no. I think in my head, I thought Percy Jackson was like a mortal, and so no, I had no yeah, idea.
3: It's so. Oh, it- well, he's
2: still it- alive, so he might be.
3: Yeah. In- I think it, it, it's a very did not make any sense. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Christina, continue explaining so, it.
3: Um, uh, the, the, Zeus and Poseidon and sure. his, you know, they were a bit handsy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> slept with a lot of mortals, had they a lot of children indeed. all over the place. Yep. You know, Hercules himself was the son. He was. So I think Percy Jackson is cleaner, and that we just just skip right past the fact that his sure, you no know, dad okay. was unfaithful too his wife but uh the the mythology of it is them kind of battling on earth but in present time but that the the mythology the gods the goddesses themselves do exist and are still very active and metal in our lives so sounds good it was a very good series very long series good series for you know bringing history into the classroom uh mythology isn't really history but you know it gets taught in a classroom yeah, yeah. no I get it. Um, the next one I have on my list is The Grace Keepers by Kirsty Lone, which is a story. Uh, it's adult fiction and I kind of go all over the place with these so uh, it's Scottish Scottish myth and fairy tales. Um, I really really think this story is a really good one for anyone who's looking for uh, kind of a slower paced thriller. Uh, it's also got L- LGBTQ characters. Um, the uh, story takes place in some time. It's not really clear if it's now or past or future, uh, about a seaborne circus. Uh, North, the main character, is a bear girl in the circus, and someone in their company has passed away. So they call a gracekeeper, her name is Kalanish, and she is to re- perform the death rites for the fallen member and it kind of just weaves in the stories of the sea which um in scotland the sea is both kind of this merciful and merciless almost entity and uh it's really cool and it talks a little bit about the selkies which are what we turned into mermaids but they're a little bit more frightening and i i love the selkies over mermaids because it's Kind of like how Harry Potter sort of interpreted them. They're not just these like beautiful ethereal beings. They have like scary teeth and can kill you. So like my mermaid's a little ferocious. So I
2: think there's a Snapchat filter that looks like them right now. Yeah. I, like I, this, creepy teeth.
3: they that's that's how the mermaids are supposed to Merman. be. Merman
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's my that's what I have to add. Thank you. Um By the way, I have some books too. you don't need to <laughs> let us know when you need like a water break. I can No, offer I mean up if you guys have too.
3: stories that i mean i kind of go all over the place Mm so i I have no real theme okay
2: well i can i'll throw one in here um really quickly i think we mentioned it a thousand times on the podcast but american gods by neil gaiman is very much the uh the, the old gods in it are the gods you would come to expect from like greek and roman mythology and a bunch of places all over the world and then they're at war with the new gods which you would consider like television and internet and money and all sorts of different things and um you're smiling have you never read American Gods you no,
3: no I, I just I haven't oh, either really no. you guys? Mm-hmm. I've read it I just
2: oh you were smiling at me like oh that sounds like a great book no, and I was, I was like no. I was gonna say I have it you could you no I just
3: it. I was just excited oh thanks it. well it's done. a really
2: great book um we I don't talk too much about it because Neil Gaiman is pretty well known so but read American Gods if you hadn't um and I'm reading the last book of the Red Rising trilogy. Finally, right now, Morningstar. and OMG, you guys, man, those they're just so good. They it, this are good. is Red Rising is one of the few series that reminds me of Harry Potter in the sense that like I legitimately forget I'm reading a book when I'm reading them. Um, they're just I forget that I don't look at what page I'm on or like a chapter or how many pages are left. They're just so fantastic and. A lot of the main characters, and we've talked about this before too, so I won't mention it too long. But a lot of the characters, like the highborn characters, the Golds, are based. Their names are based in like Greek and Roman people, and it's there's some mythology in there. But I, it's so good, and Pierce Brown is so wonderful. Yes, he and he's so young, and it's so upsetting how incredibly talented he is <laughs> at that yeah. young age. So, and yeah. he's good looking. He is. My wife is and Alex. Loves him a lot. So. Christina can confirm that he does. He's, um, he's got a lot going on. He himself. does have a lot going on all right you guys you guys I just want to name a few so that at the end I wasn't like here's nine more books real quick <laughs> so, anyway.
1: uh, I have some go go, go. yes you uh, okay so um the first one is Cold Mountain by awesome. Charles Frazier yeah that's which is based one. on the Odyssey by Homer and it's uh-huh. legit re- like retelling but set um Civil War era. He's a Confederate soldier trying to get home, and it comes across a lot of the same Depressing, characters. sweeping
3: <laughs> landscapes.
1: Yes, that's. <laughs> um, and then on that same, because I love the Odyssey, um, and so I can't <laughs> can't not mention uh, the Penelope by Margaret Atwood, which is a retelling of the Odyssey from the point of Penelope,
3: who is who is Odysseus' wife. So.
2: Christina slacked me this morning about that book, and I was like, well, you can mention it, but Jill's got to mention it.
3: I, I was I was excited about it. I was like, good. I hope someone talks about it. Again. Oh, yeah. That one is just, that's really good. It and is a good one. Yeah. So Odysseus gets such a, he's like celebrated as a hero, but he's kind of bananas. Just like.
2: Yeah. A lot of murder.
3: A lot of murder. We and should... we're like supposed to be like, oh, his wife was just lusting after other dudes. Like, slow down, Odysseus.
1: Like, well, not even that, but like he was gone for so long. Yeah. I mean, she didn't know he was coming back. Let's yeah. be honest. And also, he liked, Yeah, I, I and agree. he liked the whole Cersei. Come on, no. I think he sorry. was,
3: like, faithful for, like, four minutes <laughs> on his 20 year long journey.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, well, I tried. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm kidding.
3: It's true, though. My next one is uh, Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. Oh, well, no of way. Of course, I know. I couldn't. What? not. shocker. <laughs> Sarah Bay Shocker. But that that story, as much as it is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, also uses. um. Euro- European folklore with the fairies and they and it takes kind of the more uh, what what the European fairy tale was of the fairies like they're actually these entities these all powerful beings they're not necessarily small they can shape shift uh, you know back in the uh, back before Christianity uh, fairies were very much believed to be real and uh, in inflicting both joy and pain on people's lives And with Sarah J. Moss's uh, retelling and interpretation much more closer to that, you know, inhabiting spirits of the trees, so you have, like, the nymphs, and I I just think that not only is it a great book, but she does a really good job of bringing that into the story and making it part of the story without seeming so outlandish. Um, I just... I love that book, so read it. I had to mention it. I'm going to mention it probably in every podcast. <laughs>
2: That's okay. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Just we any all time. have our own books.
1: Shame that plug. plug. That's like, all right. Just
2: play the long. Yeah, I would love to have Sarah J. Maas on the podcast yes. in person.
1: If you're listening. Sarah.
3: Yeah. Hey, Sarah. Hey,
2: Sarah, what's hey, up? Hey, Sarah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Come on down. Uh, should I keep going?
2: I'll, 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 I'll jump in. I'll jump in since we were kind of talking about... Um, Iliad, Odyssey type things. Uh, the Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller or Madeline Miller. Uh, it's kind of like a homage to the Iliad, um, but it's also an original work. Uh, I was a big fan of this one. It's described as an action-packed adventure, an epic love story, a marvelously conceived and executed page-turner. Uh, it is kind of similar to um, Mary Renault did um the song of oh i wanted them blinking uh the song of troy i think i
3: think that's correct
2: um but it's very similar it takes a story that you're familiar with and uh, tells a you know unique different story about it so the song of achilles is really 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 good um one more and by one more i mean for right now cuz <laughs> <laughs> uh cs lewis till we have faces um not a lot of people know about this book and a lot of people are surprised that he wrote a book based on mythology because C.S. Lewis is very known for his uh you know Chronicles of Narnia and it's a what's like a Christian allegory Mm -hmm. and but uh this one is uh Till We Have Faces is basically all of his life C.S. Lewis was obsessed with the myth of Cupid and Psyche which a lot of people don't know about. But uh, this is his last book, and he goes through the life of uh, Cupid and Psyche, and he tells it through Psyche's sister. And it's just, it's this really, it's dark. It's a really dark story. Um, But the way they describe it at Overdrive.com is haunted by the myth of Cupid and Psyche throughout his life. C.S. Lewis wrote this, his last extraordinary novel, and it retells their story through Psyche's sister. I think it's, Orrual is how you say her name uh, She is disfigured And she loves her younger sister to a fault And suffers deeply when she's sent away to Cupid The god of the mountain Psych is forbidden to look upon the god's face But is persuaded by her sister to do so And she's banished for her betrayal And then it kind of tells the story from there So it's just something where when I tell people Oh C.S. Lewis, Greek mythology They're like no, that's not right He told Christian allegories I'm like yes, well also you wrote this. science fiction too He did
3: Which I read he was also best friends with,
1: like, Tolkien. He was indeed. Yeah. That's how um, The Hobbit was written, and I think Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. They had a bet. What a good squad. Which
2: is ridiculous, by the way.
1: Oh, no, it's true, though. I know, well, I'm just like- saying.
2: It's no, like it's ridiculous in the sense of, like, it's crazy. Not like, oh, no, not like you're lying to me, Jill.
1: <laughs> I just well, they had them- a bet that Tolkien failed because he ended up writing The Hobbit, which is not what he was supposed to write, but whatever.
3: I just like to picture them at a pub, just like... Right. Just have a pint and write a great sweeping novel. Tolkien was like, cool. What him.
2: accent were you going for I there? I don't
3: know. It was supposed to be British. You, you were sort of really like just, British like, and then kind of like Irish. And, and yeah. I kind of got, I, I couldn't remember if Tolkien was British. And then I didn't know what to do with it. And was here say, we are. you
2: just went with it. You need to work on your Irish accent since you're going there later this year.
3: I know. Hi, mate. Nope.
2: No, that's, that's right.
3: I'm sorry. I've offended not. so many
0: cultures.
2: Wow. So I don't know if this is offensive. Just as, uh, It's just bad.
3: Uh, it's a little bit of both. Gotta
2: work on your Irish accent. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. <laughs> nope. I
3: have a pint. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, p- moving on.
2: Yeah. Moving on to Sorry. the
3: next one is Grendel by John Gardner. So this one is Anglo-Saxon myth because Beowulf, because it predates a lot of- Indeed it does. <laughs> it predates the, you know, chronologically where it actually ended up in history. People believe Beowulf was a true gate hero. So, uh, you know, in Anglo-Saxon, in a lot of the mythology, people believed dragons were real. So it's it's it was believed that in these stories, when dragons were slayed, that these were real dragons that were slayed. <laughs> um, but uh, so John Gardner's story, it's classic. He tells the story of Beowulf from Grendel's perspective. And he's my favorite monster. He's so grumpy.
2: He is so grumpy. <laughs> it's, just,
3: it's, it's such a, you know, and he's just, it's. It's so well written, and to hear it from his perspective, he just seems like this just lovable, furry, monster dog that's just terrorizing the city because his mom's, you know, making him angry, and then Beowulf sweeps in, and we all know how it ends. But it it was just, I I love the story of Beowulf itself, and you know, it's the hero's quest. It's the first, you know, story we have of that, and it's shaped Mm. so many of the other stories. And I, I just love that there was a time when people believed he was real because he was a really interesting <laughs> hero to believe in. Who so. says he's not? He could no. be. I mean, we just don't say.
2: know. Who's, yeah, um, dragons could be
3: real. Dragons could be real. Beowulf slayed it.
2: That was the part where I jumped off because dragons are real and you were like, people thought that they're real, but they yeah, are. So are unicorns. Right? And Pegasus. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. <gasps> what was the last thing you said? Pegasus is oh, the best. Pegasus. I didn't, oh, Pegasus. I love Pegasus. I do too. Pegasus. I just didn't hear it. She said that's all. Pegasus. Um, I also love how you say Beowulf. Beowulf. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's one Beowulf. Of, it's my one of my We Beowulf. have the
1: good translation, too. The uh, the Seamus. Uh, Seamus. Hannity, I think. Oh, yes. Yes. that That is a good one. Haney. Seamus Haney. That's a the, the good translation. We got it on Overdrive. Just saying. It's there.
3: Uh, next one I have is The Snow Child by Eowyn Ivy. Um, which is Rus- It's a based on a Russian fairy tale uh, about the Snegurika, which actually is called the Snow Maiden. It's the story of a couple who's desperate for a child, and they live in the Alaskan wilderness, and pretty much under a breaking point, they decide to build a child out of snow, and she comes to life. And I won't say more of that because it's a very dark story, much like the myth itself. So in the myth, the Snegurika... Or the Snow Maiden. Uh, there's two versions, two very popular versions. In one, uh, she jumps over a fire and evaporates into a cloud, nice. which is very sad. And in another, she falls in love and um, is basically begs her mother to be able to feel this emotion. But because she's made of snow and love is warm, uh-huh. her heart melts. So, not the greatest, most happy story. And the story itself, The Snow Child by Eowyn Ivy, is in the same vein. But it's a really good read. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. So,
2: And then you could watch The Odd Life of Timothy Green, which is like the opposite. <laughs> uh, you guys remember that movie? It was about the kid who's like born out of a. Jennifer Garner's plant. in it? Yeah. We should get rid no. of this part. <laughs> in, my li- in my mind, I was like, I'm going to tell a hilarious Odd Life of <laughs> Timothy Green joke, and everyone's going to laugh for days. <laughs> now
3: we should keep it because <laughs> we should just get rid of that part. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Do
2: you but- don't remember
1: that movie? I don't know. I don't remember that movie. Whatever. That was great. Well, he doesn't
3: evaporate into a cloud of smoke. No, or does he? uh, It turns into a very dark
2: story. That sounds like a great book, Christina. Jill, do you have another one?
3: (laughs) I do.
1: It's not... um... Okay, so it, (laughs) I would say it's a stretch, sort of. Um... (laughs) No, it's A Secret History by Donna Tartt, which I'm only listening because it sort of fits into it and in that it's a this very small elite vermont school and they're um classics students students of the classics like you know greek and latin all that stuff um and so they throughout the book are studying homer and plato and are trying to kind of recreate some of the um the rituals that they had back then um it's a stretch. Whatever. I'm listening. <laughs> it's like it's one of my favorites. I'm putting it in podcasts. <laughs> That's
2: right. I've actually seen several lists of other because this was one of the podcasts where I was making <clears throat> the list of books I was going to talk about, but then I got self conscious and I like would see if other places had put them on there too, and I, I did see this on a couple different lists. So I think you're in the right. Here. It, I
1: mean, it's not you know like a, a strict retelling of any mythology or anything like that, but it sort of pulls from a lot of different. Um, Sources in terms of talking about it and having kind of
3: more of a... Place in the story. Yes. Because I, I think that, that some of these that I've talked about, it's more... It's in the story. Correct. The, which, yeah. actually, the next one I was going to talk about, too, really. It's My Sister's Keeper in the Tenth Circle by Jodi yeah. Because she is so great at this. She's exceptional in her extensive research that she adds into her stories. And talking about the first one, My Sister's Keeper, about Anna and Kate... Uh, Anna fights for the rights of her own body, which has been used up to this point to save Kate, who is battling cancer. And in the story, it's told from the perspective of her mother, from Anna's perspective, from the father's perspective, and her lawyer. And then there's a couple other characters that have their own chapters as well. Um, Anna's father frequently speaks of the stars. He is uh, someone who studies them, has a telescope. And the stars, of course, astrology, come from our gods. Right. Because since Mesopotamia, the civilization has looked at the stars, and that's how they kind of shaped their stories. So in the Sisters Keeper story, Anna is actually named for Andromeda, who is the daughter of Cassiopeia. And if you know the story of Cassiopeia... Cassiopeia! Cassiopeia! She is um, the vain queen who uh, basically murdered anyone who was prettier than her, but she did love her daughter. And in the sky... In astrology, uh, Andromeda is in between her parents, so he, he names her that because what better place to be? Um, and then also in the story, kind of more dark, is the story of Orpheus and his wife, um, Eurydice. Eurydice, I don't know how to say it, I think it's Eudice, I think but, it's Eurydice. Thank you. He was uh, the musician, he was renowned for his talents, and uh Eudice, who was beautiful, was taken to the underworld. And he tried very hard to win her back through his music, but even the gods, you know, can't fight death. And it's kind of this allegory for the story, which is, you know, all about cancer and dying, and it's sad. So, uh, The Tenth Circle, which is one of my favorite, <laughs> just favorite stories. I love Dante's Inferno. I love, well, I love The Divine yes, Comedy. you do. I love The Inferno because it is really... Uh, For the longest time, Dante's Inferno and the nine concentric uh, circles of hell were all people had as a reference for hell. And then actually when Botticelli painted the mappa dell'Inferno was really still one of the um, pictures that people reference. And that became believed to be true, that this is what hell looks like and this is where you go if you commit certain sins. And then in the tenth circle... uh, pico kind of explores this relationship between a daughter and her parents she uh gets raped by a boy and it's her parents kind of spiraling out of control based on what happens because as a parent your job is to protect your child and what happens when you can't and just how we're all fallible or fail whatever word i'm thinking. fallible oh, fallible you thank got it. you uh that there is a place for us in hell and dante's version, because if you look at the nine levels, we've all done something. Right. So, it, it is, it's, and she does a really good job, and I, I just, I love, I love Dante, and the main character in the Tenth Circle is named Trix, which is short for Beatrice, who everyone knows was Dante's unrequited love so just everyone knows
2: mm, everyone (laughs) Everyone, christina knows because she's sure
1: everyone knows
3: was okay beatrix was dante's love and he fell in love with her and then he went and fought in the crusades and by the time he came back she'd married someone else and died young so in the story she is his guide to heaven got it and so trixie is named for her
2: also if you're new to the podcast jody was on our podcast so go back and find that yes she was because she's a delight she is i have a fun one well it's kind of it's not super fun but the idea of it is fun Great job describing that one, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Minotaur Takes a Cigarette Break. Have either of you guys read this? No. No, but I, I just It's really it really funny. Like
1: I, I but you just like triggered something that I should have thought of, but it didn't. But continue. <laughs> All right, so it's by Stephen
2: Cheryl, uh, Sherrill, uh S H E R R I L L. I don't know why I just spelled that one. We never spell anyone's last name. Um the idea of this book, it's really really interesting. So, the Minotaur has escaped the labyrinth. Um and it's like five thousand years after that, so he's literally like living a normal, boring life. He's like a line cook at a diner, and <laughs> the the part that I love about it is it kind of like it blends the fact that he's this like mythic creature with like these mundane daily tasks, and like he struggles to uh, he. He's kind. He has like a social ineptness about him, and um, he really struggles with like human relationships and doesn't really understand like the complexities behind them. And uh, so it's told over two weeks, and it's literally like um, taking this absurd character and putting him in a very like normal, realistic situation, and then just the whole story is told about. Um, being in the kitchen of a of a diner and like the dramatic things that ha- would happen in those situations. The whole thing is just so absurd to me because, like they they touch on the fact that he's a Minotaur, but it's like they aren't no one's ever like, Oh look at you, you have a you have a giant bullhead. <laughs> it's just like I, it,
3: I was trying to remember what a Minotaur looked like for a minute. Uh, I was like, How bull did head. he do that? Yeah, yeah. How was he, he a line cook? Doesn't he have hooves? Yeah. And then it, now I get mm-hmm. it. I
2: get it. Yeah, so but it's just the absurdity of it is that, you know, they take the mythology of of what he is, but they put it into a real I love the idea of being like, here's an absurd creature and we're gonna put him in a normal everyday like they do this a lot in um like Disney movies you'll Mm, see like
3: Bojack horseman. Yeah Bojack horseman,
2: same thing. Exactly. They're just like, oh we're gonna take an elephant and we're gonna make him a police officer and no one's gonna question it.
3: We're gonna put an elephant in a room (sighs) Okay.
2: You're so happy with that one. (laughs) I'm sorry guys. Good job.
3: I hope somebody laughed listening.
2: Uh, That was like an Adam joke. Usually I'm the one who tells those jokes, and Jill gives me the look she gave you.
1: Um, no, actually, I can't believe I forgot this one, which is shocking because we were just talking about it the other day. But um, House of Leaves, oh, oh yeah. yeah, we were just talking oh, about yes. that. Oh yes, that
3: is such a yes,
1: Jill. Yes, Jill. <laughs> the Minotaur thing. Yes. I like. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I we sort of like. It doesn't really translate well to an ebook. So, I want to go against Overdrive and be like, No, we're copy. in the clear. No,
2: you're in the clear here. We do this a lot. Read you're
1: it okay. in print. You should read it, read it in print. In print even um, though we have a version. Read it in print. Read it in print. It's a big book.
2: As I was gonna say, also, if you do borrow it from Overdrive, you're going to have at most three weeks to read it.
1: It's not going to be enough time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you no, know, it took me a very long time. I'm still reading it,
3: actually, <laughs> from, like
1: last Yeah, October. it's an intense book, Um, but it's like, Three stories in one, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Um, with very odd formatting that is
3: found footage style of. Yeah. It's like a book that's a found footage movie. Yeah.
1: And so there's like, and then there's like a movie. So there's like the movie part, and then
3: there's the the Whalston letters to trust me just read it you're doing a really good job explaining it you just have to you you want to you want to be in the camp that has read it it's a really cool camp to be in it yeah. is
1: a very cool camp to be in um but yeah the story of the minotaur plays a very large part um in it uh and it's so creepy when it get like i <laughs> when like i get to that part in the book i'm like i can't read this at night <laughs> So it no. freaks me out way too the
3: much. The as, as an actual figure in mythology, it's oh, terrifying. It's
1: terrifying. And uh, yeah, the way he plays with it in House of Leaves is just
2: so creepy. Did you read it more than once?
1: I read it multiple times.
2: Wow. You're amazing.
1: <laughs> and I appreciate you. <laughs> Keep doing it, no, Jill. <laughs> I first read it in high school. Uh, a friend recommended it to me and, and let me borrow his copy. Um, and then I went out and bought my own and then... Yeah. I've read it multiple times. Actually, I mean, I, now I'm like, it's been a while. I should read that. I was book. just gonna say,
2: I know your propensity to reread books, but I didn't. it has that been a while impressive.
1: since I read *The House of Leaves*. I I might have to go pick that up. Um, so good.
3: It's it's
1: it's 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 an experience. It is an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not really a an easy read, but it's a it's a good read. Mm-hmm. And if you like the story of the Minotaur, I would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. I
2: have one more. Can I? Should I talk about it? <laughs>
1: no Adam no. don't contribute to the podcast episodes.
2: <laughs> rude it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's called The Lost Years it's actually a part of a series it's the Merlin series uh, it's borderline like middle grade slash young adult so it's good for young readers um, but it's the early life stories of Merlin so everyone's always familiar with Merlin the beard and you know King he's Arthur. In King Arthur and all that stuff but this takes his life and talks about the very beginning of his life and how he became Merlin. And I think that's really all I need to kind of explain about it. But it's really fun, and it's, it is a series, and – um yeah, it's really easy to read. Like, if you're looking for a book that you want to dive into after having, like, maybe you read, like, I don't know, The House of Leaves, and you need something you short. light, happy. Yeah, you need something kind of, well, this isn't, it's not light and happy, but it's it's short, and it's easy to get through, because it's, uh, it's for younger readers, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I like to do that. It's almost, I think we've talked about this past couple of weeks, maybe, like a palate cleanser. Like, I'll dive into, <laughs> Right. maybe okay. I did this off. It was with, actually, it was with Megan, who's been on the podcast a bunch. She was, her and I talking about it without a microphone which did it really happen if there's no microphone in front of me um no like no. after you read you know like a five or six hundred page like sweeping novel sometimes you just want a really quick YA book you can read and just uh you know kind of laugh and enjoy yourself so yeah the Merlin series the first one's called The Lost Years it's by T.A. Barron so
1: um fun fact about Merlin
2: <laughs> I like you a lot Jill.
1: go on people are dying um, <laughs> According to our queen, J.K. Rowling, he was a Slytherin. All that right. is why the Order of Merlin Ribbon is green.
2: Okay, listen. Hang on. I She is our queen. Long may she reign. But I don't think it's <laughs> fair. I don't think it's fair that she can say no, what. I, I, I know. I'm It's just not saying. fair that she can be like, oh, this person, he's a Slytherin. <laughs> that person, Gryffindor. Like, that's not fair.
1: She's, I, I'm just, I know. It's completely fair. False. <laughs> Can we say the Merlin in her world?
2: That, no, it's fair. Merlin it's, was a Slytherin. And I mean, he was... a Period. He was, okay. I, I'm clearly in the minority here and it's alright, and I, who am I to disagree with? J.K. But... J.K., J.K. We're lying With Joe. Um, 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 yes, that is a fun fact. It's a very fun fact.
3: Fun fact, if you ever want to just go into the like deep recesses of the internet, there are a lot of uh, historians who, are trying, who try to prove that King Arthur and uh, Gwene- Guinevere were real people. And yes. it's very, I mean, there's some really strong facts, not in, not all like, Lan- like Lancelot and all of that and the sword, but that they reigned and they were a very much beloved king and queen and they're buried in somewhere in old, old England.
2: Old, old England. Old,
3: ye, ye old England. <laughs> not New England,
2: which is not a place. Not New England. Which is a place. But
3: like there are people who believe they found the burial sites. It's, it's actually really interesting.
1: Um, on that subject. Someone something. should
2: wrote a book about that, Christina.
3: Me? Okay. I will.
2: Thank you. Anyway, sorry, Jill.
3: Uh, There's the Mists of Avalon. Yes, that... Did you ever see the, the TV series? Loved it. It was so good. Sorry, the book is better, the obviously. Book is, no, the but, book is
1: better. But yeah, the Mists of Avalon. Sort of look at the uh,
3: females, the women. Mar- what? Maragon? Maragonna? What was her name? Morgana. Morgana? Morgana. That's Arthur's sister.
2: Merida. That's from Brave.
3: <laughs> uh No.
2: I know you're looking it up, and this Damn. is gonna. I'm just.
3: You had the chance to choose your fate.
2: I'll be shooting from uh. own hand.
3: <laughs> That's what. That's
1: actually I... like the best
3: line. <laughs>
1: That's <laughs>
2: my favorite line of it, in, uh, like all of Pixar. I love it,
3: uh, Morgane. Morgane, and then they, in the midst of Avalon, they like have a relationship. Yes. Right. Okay. I think so. You should read it because
1: it's good. Like juicy. But yeah, I mean, so you know, if you're looking for, because a lot of the old myths or tales like the odyssey or any of that it focuses more on the men of the time period like the knights are the ones that go off and fight the dragons and all that stuff and then but you know there's all these strong women behind it behind them so it's always good seeing that perspective
3: it's always interesting to see how stories treat guinevere because in some she's this awful witch of a woman who cheated on her husband with lancelot and then in other stories that doesn't happen and she's this like very strong figurehead and almost like has a seat at the round table so you know it's always interesting to see how people mm-hmm. take her character um which leads me to my next story and that it's not related at all but uh <laughs> what the world will look like when all the water leaves us which is a very long title it was
1: a very long title by
3: loria vandenberg I picked this one because it has American lore in it, which I think a lot of people don't realize that we have American lore and mythology. Um, the the Loch Ness Monster being one. I'm a big fan. Wait. He's in Scotland. Not. Oh, <laughs> sorry. not
2: nope.
3: Not the Loch Ness Monster. The, God, what's the monster? You know in, who
2: else is in Scotland? Merida. <laughs>
3: what's the monster that's in the lakes? Do you, you mean the Great Lakes? The Great Lake Monster.
2: The Lake Erie Monster.
1: Uh, she does have a name. I want to say Nessie.
3: No. That's what no, I mean. No, be- no,
1: no, no that's, no, that's... still a Loch Ness <laughs> that's monster. That's a
3: Loch Ness monster.
1: <laughs> that is. The, I will the find way.
3: it. So, the Loch Ness monster is in this story, so is Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot. So you should have let off with Bigfoot. Bigfoot is the big... So, it, it, there's a, big, a Bigfoot impersonator in this story, and it's... It's very well done. And the Bigfoot impersonator. Bessie. Bessie. Th- thank you. So, yes, we b- also believe that there is a monster in our lakes. So Scotland probably came up with it first, but then we stole that And i
1: 100% guarantee that Scotland came up with it first.
3: The, the, what, so with this story, it's not so much about the lore itself, but it's kind of about how, what happens when we make ourselves believe something and uh, how we get to that point, which is kind of just an interesting to wrap, Up, what we've been talking about today—how lore becomes lore. Like back in back in when this was prevalent, people believed this was real. That this was really, truly—you know—people believed that there were fairies and that there were gods who were cursing them and sleeping with their wives. It's you know, uh, with with what the world will look like, dot dot dot, because it's a very long title. um, (laughs) It kind of just goes through the the fanaticism of making yourself believe. And even if you see it with your own eyes, how you can talk yourself out, and how like doubt happens, and then it's 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 a really interesting story to read, and I really recommend it. And it has a really good message. So, so
2: I don't know fine. how I feel about you saying to wrap up our podcast.
3: I'm not, no, I'm not. I wasn't done. gonna say anything. I'm about not it. done wrapping up. I just said.
1: Like, no, you're like
2: d- to you know to put a bow on it. I'm gonna go ahead yeah, and call just this. Yeah, that's sort
3: of what it sounded
1: like. It's a rude. little bit.
3: Sorry, sorry. I meant that. I just meant that that <laughs> is an interesting <laughs> thing to say about that. That's this fine. story in particular is about how lore gets started. I get it.
2: Mm-hmm. Sassy. Yes. That well, said I, that said I she don't is ha-
1: one third
2: of the three-headed sass yes. monster. Thank you. And that said, I, I I actually don't have any books left on my list. <laughs> I don't either.
3: I have no. one more. <laughs> I wrapped up. I wrapped up prematurely. Sorry. I have one more book. Go ahead. Uh, the Alchemist oh. by Michael Scott. Not to be confused with The Office's Michael Scott, <laughs> nor to be confused with The Alchemist with an I, uh, which is also a really good story. I, I
2: like. would read The Office's Michael Scott's The I... Alchemist. <laughs> uh,
3: the Alchemist with the I is by Paulo Colo, and it, it is, is amazing. But The Alchemist series by Michael Scott is the story of Nicholas Flamel, who is one of my favorites in, in myth. He's a real guy. Uh, he was alive in the 1400s, died in 1418. Uh, some believe his body was never in his tomb. Uh, he made his own gravestone. Uh, kind of kind of a darker part of the story. <laughs> uh, he is somehow, like, in the 1700s, people discovered some of his works and basically cooked up this idea that he was, like, the greatest alchemist of all time, discovered the elixir of life, the philosopher's stone, which, yes, yields to Harry Potter, um, and in some cases, the philosopher's stone turned things into gold. So, people have actually gone on quests to find these things, and uh, Michael Scott's story actually explores all of the, the lore around Nicholas Flamel's life as being true, but what's really interesting about Nicholas Flamel is, in life, there's really no document around him actually even being an alchemist, so huh. he somehow became this big celebrity, and yeah. no one really knows why, um, and he and his wife Purnell were just kind of these scribe they, they worked for, uh, they worked in writings and discovered some really interesting things around that, but no one's quite sure how the alchemy thing got started.
2: Two things. One, I want to make sure we swing back and give you credit for saying uh, people have cooked up stories about the alchemist. Great job. <laughs> and two, what did uh, you say his well wife's well name done. is? Uh, Pernell. So Purnell Flamel. <laughs> that. Per-
3: right, I, th- I think that's how you Pernell is how I about- think that's how you that's, pronounce it. Uh,
2: Pernell am- Flamel. Wow, that's amazing. That's how this
3: got started. Someone was like Pernell Flamel. they probably- like s-
2: that. This person needs a story about. We got We
3: got to cook up something. We got to cook something up. up about well, an Alchemy. And the- now are just using um, it on purpose. So, but anyway, yeah, he's kind of this. If you ever just reading about Nicholas Flamel is an interesting read because a lot of the stuff that he did in life is very cool, but what he's mostly known for is being this like great kind of mysterious historian and alchemist who came up with the elixir of life.
2: All right. I like it.
3: I do, too. And, of course, there's Harry Potter, which is like... And we came back to Harry Potter. Well, as... But, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're
1: looking at the hero myth.
3: Hi. Hello. Hi, hello.
2: Hello. hello. Hi, hello, hi. I,
3: uh, hello, hi. I said it backwards. That so was weird.
2: Well, it's and to okay. wrap
3: up... No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> hey, Christina, where can they find us? I mean, I'm just kidding. Uh, we already talked about that. Um...
3: I can. I can tell everyone.
2: No, you're, you're, it's great. Hi, Dad. Hey, Mike B.
3: Thanks for listening.
2: <laughs> it's funny because he will be, so he'll hear this. Big
3: fan. Big
1: um, fan of the series.
2: Friend <laughs> of the pod. Um, <laughs> anything else, Jill?
1: I don't have anything else.
2: How about you, Christina? Anything else you'd like to talk about?
1: Just, if you can believe it, read it. Yeah. There you go. Good, Dad. Uh- that, that meant on. nothing. That I meant know. nothing. <laughs> I know. But but uh, it sounds good. It sounds great.
3: Put that on a bumper sticker. Oh, man.
2: Well, by the time anyone hears this, it'll be Thursday again. So have a great weekend, everybody. I,
3: Happy President's Day.
2: Man. You know how they say it's like it's better to burn out than fade away? I feel like this podcast is fading away. I feel like this Should I, this like, episode should I knock is the,
3: like, the mic over like as a
2: mic drop? No, because we, then we have to pay for them. Oh,
3: all right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. All right. I'm like, I'm gonna be like Lady Gaga and just jump off and just catch a touchdown. And
3: rah, 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 rah. Yeah.
1: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from OverDrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.